0: Casting by the sea in sunny San Diego, this is the Ascended Masters at Work show, where we lift the veil of mysticism and reveal ancient secrets brought to earth by the world's greatest spiritual teachers. Here we share real-life stories that change lives and widen our eyes. And now, here is your host and spiritual life coach, Reverend Shirlene
1: Reeves. Well, good after Thursday noon. I, I'm just so glad you're here with us at two o'clock California time in sunny San Diego. And we have such a great show today. I'm really looking forward to it. But I wanted to update you on the event that we had last Saturday. It just was phenomenal. The the people that showed at the event got so much out of it. And what a blessing that was because as I told you in the past, I was in the Tetons and I was spending my time in the moment. Do you know what that means, spending your time in the moment? That means I wasn't thinking about anything else except where I was in that moment. And it's amazing the messages that come through to you when you just slow down enough to spend time in that space. And I was so fortunate because everything I learned for the event actually showed up when I was in the Tetons. And in fact, I had so much material, I didn't even know where to start to put it together. And then I got this wonderful message that said, don't worry about it, everything's going to be fine. And believe me, it was because I tried to arrange that course over and over and define it by times. And do you know, I had Dot Claire with me, she did a fabulous job at opening and closing the event. And I said to her, take a look at what I had written that I was going to teach. And then you compare it to what it was that I actually did teach. So, you know, if you can spend some time in the moment with the great masters, it will totally shift your life. And a big part of why I do this radio show is so that you can see I'm not the only one who receives these messages. Everybody that comes on this show has a story to share about how spirit directed their lives and how it enhanced their lives. And the reason that I'm doing this is because as a small child, I felt very much alone. I had no one to talk to about this connection and no one would listen to me. And I wanna show you that there's a lot of us out there that have these experiences. And this show will be every Thursday at 2 p.m. and you'll hear a new story Every week, and maybe it will prompt you to share your story with others too, so that they know that they're not alone. Now, the person that we have coming on today to tell her story is in Germany. So, we've reached worldwide on this syndicated show, and she has come to share with us about. Difficult Divas, and I have to happen to love that name, Difficult Divas. <laughs> I've known a few myself. And she is an opera singer, which is really going to be interesting, too, to have an opera singer. And she knows that in order to perform, she has to be in the present. And she's actually an American opera singer and a performance coach. And she's a professional speaker, too. And her topic is all about presence. And in her coaching, she uses innovative approaches to help her clients master having a very strong inner presence while owning the room and exuding a dynamic, exciting outer presence. In her keynotes, she combines leadership and music together with such talks as the Carmen effect. I'd love to hear that one. (laughs) A Strong Woman for Strong Leadership, and she's also the co-author of several books in German. Get that, in German, but I promise you she'll speak English to us today. And she'll be releasing her own new book coming this month, I believe, called Dealing with Divas, A Mindful Approach to Improving Relationships in Your Business or Organization. And she helps the reader master just two things, two very, very important things. And I agree with her 100%. And one is to remain calm and centered and and focused when dealing with difficult people. So here she is. I want to bring her on right now. Laura Baxter, our opera singer. Hi, Laura. (laughs)
2: Hi, Charlene. It's great (laughs) to be here. Thanks for having me.
1: Well, I'm excited to have you. How is it in Germany right
2: now? It's beautiful. Right now where we live, um, one of the largest uh, beer festivals in Germany is taking place right now, so... It's beautiful weather, and right now it's nighttime. So beautiful wow. weather, and the beer, and the beer festival itself is just over. It goes to eleven o'clock at night. So it oh my ended gosh. ten minutes ago.
1: Yes,
2: <laughs> <So> <laughs> it, you got it's, in just for ten in days.
1: time? Didn't you? Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I always promise everyone that they're going to have a special story. And I was wondering how your spiritual connection has helped you or influenced you in your work. The spiritual, I would have to say that
2: spirituality or the spiritual connection has helped me throughout my entire life. Um, one of my one of the first memories of. Um, I've got a lot of childhood memories, uh, you know, of of different spiritual experiences. One of the first really deep experiences uh, that comes to mind is when I was about twelve or thirteen years old. Um, I did a guided meditation for the first time, and uh, I realized it was it was a fascinating experience because, because it was very simple meditation of simply uh, you go get in go into a relaxed state and then. Then you get into an elevator and when the elevator doors open, then there's something supposed to be there, depending on what the meditation is. And in that moment, I think the meditation was about you're going to see your future, um, your, your goals or whatever. And that was the most intense experience that I had ever had that uh, when I when those elevator doors in this in this fantasy world opened, I just could see my path so very clearly that I realized that um, meditation, that spirituality uh, an incredi- is an incredible part of, of who we are and what we need in order to uh, be able to not only survive, but really succeed. And there's a, a very strong, uh, one of the other things that I realized, not just in that moment with that meditation, but through the years afterwards, is how absolutely interconnected we are.
0: Mm. Uh,
2: that, that you can't, that, um, that each of us, we're connected to a very, however you want to describe it, a, a very deep, universal energy. And what affects one part of that energy affects every other part. And that that energy itself is absolutely uh, totally and completely, um, all encompassing, and can and and all loving. That's the those those experiences have guided me and and helped me in every which way throughout throughout my singing career, throughout my coaching career, um, those and of course many many other experiences since
1: then. So I got to ask you:
2: mm-hmm. So when
1: your elevators opened, yeah. did you see yourself as an opera singer?
2: I saw myself as a singer. Um, At that point in my life, uh, but it wasn't just that. It it actually had to do with questions that were even more um, uh, short-term goals. uh, So, you know, what I needed for school, what I needed, the things that were worrying me at that moment, I can't quite remember now what exactly that was, but things became, questions that I had at that moment um, became so very clear. Mm -hmm. uh, The answers became so very clear that I thought, this is fa- this is absolutely fascinating, and I knew, uh, you know, you mentioned in your introduction about this voice that came to you um, as you were walking, um, and that's you know through nature and everything, and that that's actually that's what I realized is there, that mm-hmm. there's something there guiding us, uh, you know, however you want to call it, if you want to you know say you know your guardian angels or your uh, some there's something there guiding us, and if we just Take them. Take a moment to be quiet, and listen to that. Um, uh, then we can actually tap into something far, far greater than ourselves, and, and far—it's—it's it's amazing, far more
1: more powerful than mm-hmm. ourselves. Mm-hmm. You know, one of the things that I was teaching this past Saturday was how to read the signs, and if we have a path and we're on the right path. We need to learn to read the signs so we can stay on the right path. Have you yes, ever noticed yes. that yourself? Yes, absolutely, yep. absolutely. And um, it's it's so clear. I mean, I always say that
2: my guardian angels are absolutely, they think I'm stupid because, um, that because you know, when I do something I'm not supposed to be, when it's something that's not part of my uh, life's mission, not part of my what I'm supposed to be doing at that moment, you know, I get slapped down. It's clear. (laughs) It's it's just very clear. You don't need to, you know, be a mind reader. You don't really, it's just so clear that this is not, you're not doing the thing you're supposed to do. Um, and when, however, uh, again, when, when it's the path I'm supposed to be on, um, then for whatever reason, doors open that just, um, who would have thought it's possible, you know, who really who really would have thought it was possible to do this thing, this thing that before I thought, no way, I'm not good enough or I'm not that's, I can't do that. Or I don't know anybody who, you know, who can help open that door for me or whatever. But it's part of the path that I was supposed to be on. Then all of a sudden the doors open. And that is that's just and it happens so often. It's not it's not even funny. It's, it's just it's amazing.
1: Yeah. I always say if it's meant to be, it'll be easy because anything yeah. that's hard to do, it's our own free will. We can get support with that, but it's still our own free will. And it may not be the way it was supposed to be, so we may not be able to keep it in the long run.
2: Yeah, absolutely. That is. I, I think that's absolutely right. I, I believe in hard work. I don't think it's not – you can't sit on your couch and um, – and you know, have people come to you and say, Oh, this is your path. That might that might be part of what happens to to some individuals, but I do believe it's our obligation to work towards whatever.
1: Mm-hmm. And then okay. it will become clear if, if that whatever is right or not. But it's like you say, the doors open so easily mm-hmm. when it's meant to be. And yeah. when push and push and struggle and struggle in order to get what we want and I've done that in the past and I fell yeah. down the rabbit hole for five years at a time that oh, <laughs> 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 yeah. yeah and and you really learn you know you really yeah. learn and you talk about your angels talking to you you know mine have such a sense of humor it's ridiculous oh, and yeah. I mm-hmm. find myself laughing a lot of the time because it's so ridiculous but <laughs> if we can just stay on that path that's the big thing is are we watching for the signs that guide us to stay on our path yeah that's the question i asked
2: yeah I mean, for example you asked me about um uh, did i know when i was 13 i wanted to be an opera singer no i did not op- i knew that opera existed but i was not- I, I was interested in musical theater and mm-hmm. um that was my love that was my dream that's you know and i did everything I could to go on that particular path. Um, but there are two things in in my, in in my person, and I have done a lot of musical theater as well, and I've directed musical theater, um, and I still love it with a very deep passion. But um, two things happened as I got a little bit older. The voice matured very quickly, and it was too big for musical theater. Mm. And the other is I don't have a dancer body at all. I, I danced quite a bit, and and you know, through throughout, even through college. But that I still did not have a dancer's body, and wasn't could not be a professional dancer, in that for my my mm. abilities. Um, so there's still a lot of musicals you can do, but um, it became clear with every step that this the path was not musical theater; it was opera, and then obviously I got to know that uh the operatic repertoire more and i began to love that and realize how rich and absolutely fascinating it is and um you know and and that's one example of just when you keep going you have different paths and you're going to be shown those paths you're going to be shown uh, okay not exactly this but you take a little bit of this and you add it to that and even with my career now um, you know, we, I've, I've sung, I, I sang with the national opera company in the United States. I've sung many an opera in, in, in worldwide, I mean, Tel Aviv in Italy at whatever. But, um, at some point, especially actually the main point started when we, we found, we started our family at some point, you sort of, you realize that it's not just this one career, um, If you asked me today, would I like to be full time uh, in an opera house? I would say no. It's not not what I well because then I realized um, to a lot of different things, uh, a lot of different things, including um, once once the children were there, I still continued to do auditions and everything else, and I realized that um, I was sort of sabotaging the auditions because I wanted some something else subconsciously, or I needed something else than what was happening. And this this whole sabotaging, which I didn't understand at the time, led me to uh, to to take quite a few courses in mental training, everything mm. from hypnosis to to NLP to um, uh, to suggestopedia, all different types of 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 trainings where I got certified so that I could train other people as well. Um, because I wanted to understand what the psychological side was. And in that path, Shirlene, what happened is that's when I began to give the seminars I give. I began to meet meet people that are outside of the academic world, outside of the music world. And f- I found that they have needs that really uh, I could meet. And mm. I could meet with this, with this combination of opera, you know, musical theater with that, but opera and um, and the mental training. Mm, and wow. and that's, that's, that's been
1: beautiful. Wow, mm. that's awesome. So if anyone would like to call in and talk to Laura and ask her a question, you know, this is a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity to speak to an opera singer in Germany. Call in at 888 627 6008 that's 8886276008 now Laura I know that presence is a real strong part of your work so can you tell us what role presence plays in your work as an opera singer
2: as an opera singer it is essential to be Uh, And what I do now, as far as singing goes, I I should say I do, I still do quite a few concerts, I'm still singing, um, but it's mostly oratorium and and concert work. Um, And the principles there are the same when you're doing, when you're singing repertoire, that's as difficult as operatic repertoire, or as difficult as um, an oratorium. It is essential that Everything come together at once. In other words, that you are centered and focused, calm, so that you can breathe deeply. Um, and obviously, you've got to be mentally alert to be able to sing the repertoire that you've been training all this time. Mm-hmm. And I remember one moment. I was singing the Verdi Requiem, and there was one moment uh, in in this beautiful concert, huge cathedral here here in Germany. Um, and I looked at the audience. I was singing the Lacrimosa, and I looked out at the audience, and people were crying, was as they were supposed to be, <laughs> and, um, and, you know, I was listening to the room and listening to the orchestra and singing, and I, I thought how amazing it is. We are how how amazing it is to be really one with this entire situation, and the entire situation was not just me singing this thing or people coming to see a show. The entire situation was this moment, this moment of this. The acoustics created by this building, with this number of whatever thousand, you know, um, people in the in the in the um, audience, with this orchestra, and it was it was amazing. All I could think of at that moment was if I can show people how to do this when they're giving a presentation, that would be absolutely magical. How to be so centered and focused, and look at the situation, be very fully aware. Fully mindful of everything going on around you, the sound that you are making. In other words, if you're giving a presentation, what you're saying, the audience, their reaction, their feedback, as well as the acoustics of the room. Everything, you know, it, it, the orchestra in that case, in a presentation, in a presentation situation, you know, everything as far as your your flip chart, your your PowerPoint, everything you've got there with you on the stage. If I can show people how beautiful it is to be there in that moment and how absolutely clear and um, magical that is, that would be wonderful. And that was where this interest kind of started, uh, more than anything else, with the word presence.
1: Mm-hmm. And, it, you know, it takes practice, doesn't it? Yeah. Because I've noticed, when I first started, it was hard to for me, in the very beginning, to stay present for any length of time because my mind would start to wander. And I really practiced that recently in the Tetons to just really stay present and listen to the birds. And of course I was listening for grizzly bears too, because they were out there with their cubs. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's, sometimes it's kind of scary on the, on the trail and you got to carry your bear spray. So you really got to be present at that time.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The, the presence itself has a lot of different um, aspects. One of which, uh, the in my work at, uh, on presence, um, I talk about the four different aspects of presence. The first aspect aspect is the inner presence, the ability to be centered, to be able to breathe deeply, to be in your in in your um, in your center, but also in in the here and now. Then the the second part of presence is the outer presence, the ability to own the room, to emote in that you're still staying, just like in that example with the Verdi Requiem, I stayed I was in my center, but my voice was emoting, my energy was emoting into the room. So to be able to stay in your center, the inner presence, but also to be able to own the room, to send your uh, this uh, electromagnetic field that each of us, um, that each of us emotes from our 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 solar plexus to send that energy into the room so that the people in the room feel your presence. That's the outer presence.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: And the third aspect of, of presence is to know and be fully aware and fully mindful of your own goals and to prepare for those goals. And the last as- aspect of, of presence, especially in a business situation or in, in the situation of uh, what I talk about in my book, or um, in the situation of giving a presentation, um, the last aspect is is to understand people, other people, to be able to connect to people themselves. Because we are not we are not isolated. Each of us in our um, uh, in our experiences, we, and it's very important to connect to those around you. Not only spiritually, but also to connect to them so that you can communicate with them.
1: Mm, makes perfect sense. So you have a, an outer presence, an inner presence, and goals to focus on at the same mm-hmm. time. Did yeah. I get that right? Yeah,
2: and then 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 uh, an understanding of of human nature. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, um, yeah. And as far as the uh, as far as your your question about you know you have to practice, yes. All of those aspects you've really got to practice. I mean, again, take take with Take take. Let's take, we'll just take that the situation when I was singing the Verdi requiem. Um, if I had not learned my music, you know, if I had not learned how you know what what notes I needed to sing at that moment or how, what texts, then obviously my entire focus on that evening would have been how do I get through this? You know, mm-hmm. right. it's not in that situation. It is. It's not possible to be in your center because every you're in your head, trying to figure out where you are at all, you know, um, that's, that's sort of the mental game of it. Then there's the physical game of the singing. So in learning, you can, you can know the notes and you can know the notes and you can know the words, but it's gotta be in the muscles, especially with a difficult work like the Verdi Requiem. If I push too much too early, then I won't be able to make it through the, the, the entire piece, especially not at the end. Um, and so you've got to be able to literally get the piece of music, get that work in your muscle. In a presentation situation, you really need to understand the information you're about to, to you know, to convey to your audience. And once that's happened, then that part of you can kind of rest. You know, the mental—you've you've mentally and physically prepared yourself with the material. And the other thing you've got to prepare beforehand is and it's it if it, it is to know how to breathe deeply. So we can talk about, okay, you're very prepared. you know your text, you've got everything memorized or whatever you want to uh, you know for for this presentation you're going to give. Um, but if you've never experienced what a deep breath is, mm. then you're not you're not going to be able to breathe deeply during the presentation, right. This is right. very important to to learn how to um, how to be centered and focused? How to be present? And that is—that really does take uh, take practice, because everything around you will distract you and, and bring
1: you about, uh, bring you away from being centered and focused. I agree with you hundred percent. Because I teach uh, when I teach massive visibility media, and I teach people how to show up on stage or how to show up on a TV interview or even on the radio, like what we're doing right now. They'll say to me, well, I don't know what to say. I don't know what to say. But the reality is they do know what to say. They know who they are. They know what their expertise is. And so that makes the mental part really easy. Mm -hmm. They just have to get beyond that panic that comes up right in the beginning of thinking they don't know what to say. Because if they can get in their physical, like you said, and start breathing, Mm -hmm that makes all the difference in the world, then they can get past that flash of fear, I call it, mm-hmm. and they can actually say what they need to say. It may not be real eloquent yet, but it will be over time because they mm-hmm. really know what they're doing.
2: Yeah, yeah and, and, and what you're saying, um, I really believe, I mean, I say this about the music when I'm t- working with my students here at the university, they're singing, but I really believe we are only vessels, and um, vessels for either, either the information, for example, when, if you're giving an interview um, for the person on the other side, the other side of the interview, the vessels for them to connect to who they are, their greater self, if you will, uh, in the case of singing, to connect to the music, to the universe or, or whatever. But it, And it feels like you are a vessel. Mm. If you're truly centered, if you're truly um, in the moment and also if you're if you're truly present, there is no better word. Um, then everything flows through you, and you really have nothing to do to do with it. That sounds very strange. I said that in a in a talk the, uh, a couple of weeks ago, and the person you know said, oh, but it still has to do with you, your person." And I said, "Yes, there's a uniqueness about uh, about each each one of us, and that uniqueness does show through." But in that moment, what I said in, in, in my talk was, you really, it literally feels like the music is flowing through you, that, uh, through me. I'm not doing anything. And for whatever reason, that is exactly what touches the audience more than anything else. If I'm in that state, then they become, um, yeah, then they become, uh, the audience becomes absolutely moved by it. And I can't control that. I'm just I'm just the vessel, and mm. that's a fast. I think that's true in everything we do. If you stay centered and co- and connected to who you are, um, things that come out of your mouth are actually amazing because it's not it's not being filtered through your brain. It's you mm. you literally are a vessel for this message, whatever that is.
1: Awesome. Well, I'm going to leave you on that note for just a second, Laura, and we are going to cut away to commercial and we'll be back in just a minute. So hang tight with us and give us a call and talk to Laura at 888-627-6008. Hi, I'm Charlene Reeves with Maximize Your Wealth Now with a new tip on how to maximize your wealth. What if you could compel your clients rather than selling them so that they would work with you? Wouldn't that be so much easier? Wouldn't it be easier to have more income? I talk to entrepreneur after entrepreneur and they're running from networking group to networking group and they're so tired and the reason they're tired is because they're not making any money and they don't know how to work with their perfect clients. What if I said to you, compel, don't sell, and I could give you the tips for how to do that. I'm tearing back the curtain, and I'm going to show you how I built my business from zero to multi-millions, and I want you to make multi-millions too. So check it out on my website, MaximizeYourWealthNow.com and get signed up for the next class. I promise you, I guarantee you, you won't be sorry. I invested in Sherlene's Compelled to Sell sales training program and I just knew immediately that she was the person that I wanted to work
3: with. I came in wanting to know how to get more people I could talk to and I also learned some things I didn't know that I didn't know and now I know at least I have a good idea.
1: The reason I took this course was because I felt like there were a lot of new things that Shirlene had to offer that I had not experienced before. That's why I took
3: the class is I wanted to sort of uplevel level my sales skills and thank you Shirlene for this amazing class.
4: In 10 weeks, Eight COMPEL, DON'T SELL students made a total of $301,000. Isn't it time to make a compelling difference in your income? If you answered yes, call one 889 9212 That's one 889 9212 to register for the next COMPEL, DON'T SELL course and learn the art of selling with heart. Discover the secrets to the three-step sales waltz. Learn how to open a sales conversation and ask for the sale authentically in your own words. Dial to reserve your seat today. Dial 888-889-9212.
3: can't take it anymore. Every time we have a meeting, he dominates can't the conversation. I the way he
2: walks into the room, as if he knows what it all. What can I
3: do? She doesn't seem to like me or I'm anything I do. I'm tired of all the tensions. I just want to leave. Divas and other difficult people rob us of precious time and energy. They make us feel small and insecure. They cause conflicts, frustration, anger, and even fear. In a world where having productive relationships and effective communication means the difference between success and absolute failure, you need tools that will help you remain calm, confident, and focused on the task at hand so that you accomplish your goals, regardless of any conflict that may be going on around you. Laura Baxter's new book, Dealing with Divas and Other Difficult Personalities, helps you do just that. It gives you the tools you need to remain calm, centered, and focused when you are dealing with difficult people. And it gives you the tools you need to better communicate so that you reach your goals with success. Dealing with divas and other difficult personalities, a mindful approach to improving relationships in your business or organization. Get your copy today.
1: So we're back, and we've been talking with Laura Baxter way out in Germany, and she's on the, falconi- <laughs> the <laughs> faculty of the Friedrich Alexander University in Erlingen, Germany, and she was on the faculty at Duke University prior to moving to Germany, and you know, she's been there for 20 years, and Laura, I was just wondering if you would share with us how in the world, as an American opera singer, you got to Germany. Actually, that's not atypical. Um, it's, it's expected of American opera singers
2: that we, that at some point in our career, career, we go to Europe. And for me, for whatever reason, Germany. It was it was clear that I was going to go to Germany. Later, I figured out I figured out many of the different reasons uh, why why that some of which didn't have anything at all to do with my career, which was a fascinating thing. For example. Um, uh, I live in, near Nuremberg here in Germany. And my father was stationed in Nuremberg after the war. And there was a he had a friendship, uh, a friend here in in Germany with whom he would lost contact. And after uh, after i we I got here, um and especially when we got married, my parents then came to Germany for the wedding. And for my father, this is this is the spiritual connection that we don't know about. we we can't control, you know. Uh, For my father, being able to come back over here, he hadn't been here since since World War Two, and reconnect with that friend who lived about a kilometer away from where we were living at the time. Mm. uh, It was something that absolutely gave him and his life closure. Uh, And that's something that I could not have controlled at all. As far as the operatic world, um, like I said, uh, it's expected of us to come over here. And so that was very clear that I would come over here at some point. And um, Once I got over here, I ended up getting married. We started our family, and and, and that's why I ended up staying so long, because usually usually, um, most of my colleagues will come for a few years and then go back home, although there are quite a few here that have stayed as long as I have. Um, Yeah, so that's how we got to Germany. (laughs) And um, yeah, it's 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 not a very it's not a very exciting story. It's, it, it it has been an exciting path for me. The more shocking thing was was staying here so long, and um, it's it's that in itself has been also a beautiful a beautiful German a journey.
1: <laughs> German <laughs> sorry German yeah German yes That's cute. So let me ask you, um, are there any moments in your life or your career, you've you've told us a little bit, um, either as a singer or as an author, where you felt a strong spiritual presence guiding you or a strong spiritual pull?
2: Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, many times. Um, the first example that comes to mind um, is... When I was still uh, very much a young singer, um I'd sung on quite a few different stages, but uh, not had not really i had it was just before I began singing with the national national opera company, I met a lady. Um, her name is Nan. was Nan Burt, and Nan at the time was ninety two years old and she was a patron of the opera stage when I was uh, singing in, in a, partic- a particular particular production it was a production of the marriage of figaro and i had ha- been in an accident and the director at, uh, i'd been in an accident but i still you know i looked terrible but i was still going through with the show there was no problem with that and the director at the end of one of our rehearsals just said you need to go to Nan." and i'd heard about this person but i'd never really met her and so i said okay i'll go up to Nan." and i went up to her to her house and um it was it was a fascinating moment. Uh, she had guests. Um, I, it was she had guests, so I didn't you know I didn't want to interrupt. And she said, "Sit out on the porch. I've been expecting you. Um, sit out on the on the porch, and I'll be right. I'll be there when they leave. They're about to leave." Mm. And she came out to the porch. I was sitting on on, the, on the ro- in a rocking chair on her porch, and she sat in the rocking chair next to me and started rocking, matching my rhythm. Mm. And she in in doing that, she just started telling me my life story, everything yeah. about me. I had just gone through a separation with, with my first marriage, and she started telling me about my relationship to to my husband. She started telling me about my career, everything. And you know, I just all I could say is, How do you know this? Um, because nobody knew what she was saying at that mm-hmm. point, except for except for me. And um she basically that evening gave me a stack of books to go home and and read and come back, <laughs> come back the next day and tell her, you know, tell her about it. And that I did. I did not read all six books, but um <laughs> I did did, <laughs> uh, I did read one of them. And that was I think it's um Love is Letting Go of Fear.
1: Mm hmm.
2: And so the next day I went back. I managed to read that book that night. And I went back to her the next day. And it was just, it absolutely changed my life. Mm. Uh, the fact that the opposite, to learn that the opposite of love is not hate, the mm-hmm. opposite of love is fear. And as a singer, especially a young singer, when you're trying to get ahead and you're worried and there are all these other good singers around you, and am I good enough? All these questions keep coming to your mind. Um, to understand that those fears are the things that were holding me back. You know, holding me back or holding all of us back, um, and not love, uh, was was for me new, and it was it was beautiful. It was deep. It was helpful, and then we talked about different ways of of incorporating love in its depth in in my work, and that happened in a couple of different different aspects. Uh, immediately i mean one of the things we talked about you know is i i am christian and and one of the things that she said is why don't you just picture jesus sitting in the front row when you sing
0: mm-hmm. and what
2: does that do to your performance and um you know does that help you become more relaxed you're not you know you're not singing this for you for your own glory you're singing this for something for for higher power you know mm-hmm. and then and one other thing that she uh, taught me that um, stayed with me until today was to use man uh, mantras, but especially one one mantra in particular, and that's uh, "I choose love." She, at some point, probably in the thousands of books also that she gave me, she said, um, "You know, when you need it, all you, all you need to do is just kind of repeat yourself over and over again. If you're in a difficult situation, I choose love."
0: Mm-hmm.
2: And I thought, yeah, yeah, Nan, you know, like I said, Nan was at the time I met her, she was 92. Uh, she lived to be 106. <laughs> and, and I thought, you know, whatever. It was, you know, good advice. I'll, I'll try. I'll think about it later. And as at one point, uh, a couple of years later, if, if that long, it may not have even been that long, I had a concert that was very, very, very different, difficult, where I was pretty concerned as to whether or not to be able to make it through. It was a, It was a cappella, so there was no accompaniment. And if the choir made a mistake or I as a soloist made a mistake, we were out, you know, we'd have to start over.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, so it was a lot of pressure. And as I was waiting to go on stage for that concert, I thought about what Nan said. And all I did at that point was just kind of out loud say, I said, you know, I choose love, I choose love, I choose love, I choose love. And then I started sort of saying it internally, and a calmness came over me, and it stayed with me through that entire concert. Mm. That was so beautiful, and i i can't uh, I can't tell you from my experience how I sang that day. I know that the conductor was thrilled, and you know, you know, but um, for me, that was one of the first times I felt this what I mentioned before this feeling of just being a vessel. For something far greater than, you know, than me, myself. So that was that was very, very, very powerful. <laughs> um, you know, and that's there's in my book, there's a chapter, um, a chapter I call the four most powerful states. And one of those states is the state of love.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, I talk to people about uh, choosing pain or peace. Mm-hmm. Um and it's such a simple question whenever they want to get into an argument or they got to be right or uh, they're trying to make a decision about what to do next, then just choose pain or peace. And mm-hmm. peace is all wrapped around love.
2: Absolutely. Yeah, that's beautiful. That is beautiful.
1: Okay, so we'll be right back. We're going to take another little break and we'll be back with Laura again. See you in just a second.
4: If you're enjoying the Ascended Masters at Work show, you'll love taking the next steps in your spiritual development with Reverend Shirlene in her workshops on the shores of sunny San Diego. Reverend Shirlene will teach you the mystical secrets shared by the Ascended Masters for lifting the veil of universal mystery. You'll discover and learn how to put into practice universal laws, increase your business achieve financial freedom and develop loving relationships learn the art of reading the universal signs discover the pure meaning of spiritualism and how to connect to the divine within you tap into the guidance that moves you from ordinary to extraordinary build a powerful relationship with spirit that serves your mission and purpose Tap into your next steps with intuitive guidance you can trust. Each event has limited seating. If you're ready for your next steps on your spiritual path and want to make a difference in your life and the lives of those who love you, register at ascendedmastersatwork.com That's A-S-C-E-N-D-E-D mastersatwork.com Or dial 888-889-9212. That's 888-889-9212 to reserve your seat for this limited time offer.
3: can't take it anymore. Every time we have a meeting, he dominates I can't the conversation. Stand the way he walks into the room, as if he knows what it all. What can I do? She doesn't seem to like me or I'm anything I do. I'm
2: tired of all the tensions. I just want to leave.
3: Divas and other difficult people rob us of precious time and energy. They make us feel small and insecure. They cause conflicts, frustration, anger, and even fear. In a world where having productive relationships and effective communication ...means the difference between success and absolute failure, you need tools that will help you remain calm, confident, and focused on the task at hand so that you accomplish your goals, regardless of any conflict that may be going on around you. Laura Baxter's new book, Dealing with Divas and Other Difficult Personalities, helps you do just that. It gives you the tools you need to remain calm, centered, and focused when you are dealing with difficult people. And it gives you the tools you need to better communicate so that you reach your goals with success. Dealing with divas and other difficult personalities, a mindful approach to improving relationships in your business or organization. Get your copy today
1: and welcome back you know next week's going to be something else at two o'clock on thursday we're going to have claire candy howe and she is an angelic walk-in this ought to be really interesting she's also an angel practitioner reiki master teacher international radio show host She's a clairvoyant and inspirational speaker and a writer and author who raises the consciousness of individuals so they can connect to their divine, eternal nature. And I bet you're wondering, what in the heck is an angelic walk-in? And you're not going to know unless you tune in next Thursday at 2 p.m. on BBS Station 1. So, today we are talking to Laura Baxter, and I want her to share a little bit about her book because, you know, I don't know about you, but I have dealt with a lot of divas, and they're not so easy to work with. And, Laura, I was just wondering if you would give us some ideas on maybe some four powerful states we can get into or how to deal with these people because it's so difficult <laughs> and not everybody knows what to do.
2: That's the truth. I mean, what in, in my work, of um, what I've noticed more than anything else is the thing that brings us out of our, one of the most common things that brings us out of the center of, of our centers is other people, people we think are who are difficult, divas or otherwise. And um, that's the inspiration behind this book. Um, Just to give you kind of a little bit of a background of the book itself, um, the uh, book dealing with divas and other difficult personalities is divided into four sections. The very first section is defining the situation, because uh, divas when we think of a stereotypical diva, we think sort of an, the opera singer. We think of the larger than life personality, you know, taking over the room, coming in and trying to be dominant, to dominate everything. But that's just one type of person that we find to be difficult. And the interesting thing about uh, about uh, these kind the, the dominant person is if you yourself are a very dominant person, you're going to find other dominant people actually more attractive yeah it's, they gravitate
1: uh, uh, to them right exactly they just, they, yeah they yeah call yeah. Them
2: in. <laughs> yeah so for that person therefore a very dominant person um someone who's much more uh, introverted is less is less attractive or i should say more annoying because someone who's more introverted will have a tendency to need more time to make a decision um, is, tends to be more of a planner tends to have a lot of other wonderful uh wonderful characteristics that the dynamic dominant person doesn't have, but they communicate very differently. And so one of the main things that that, uh, I focus on is exactly is not is getting away from or defining what what a difficult person is for you yourself, for the reader. And the book itself has two two goals. I think you mentioned this earlier. The first goal is to help the reader stay centered and calm, focused, and in their center when they're dealing with the difficult people. And the second is that they reach their goals so that Mm. they figure out a way to communicate with these people, the people they find difficult, so that they can actually reach their goals. And the Book, it's, the book starts out with, in the four sections, it, the four sections make up the word diva. It's an acronym for diva. First is <laughs> defining the situation. The second is, is getting into an internal strength or finding your internal strength, being in a, a strong inner state. And then the third is valuing yourself and the other diva. And the last is actually being able to associate, to be able to actually come into a, finding uh, contractual uh, situation or agreement with the other person. So what you asked about the four most powerful states, the four most powerful states, that's part of actually creating a strong inner state. And the four most powerful states are, as I mentioned, the state of love, the state of gratitude, the state of for- of forgiveness, and the state of play. mm and if when we learn to stay in those four states to be, be able to forgive to be grateful for everything that we have including this interaction here with our diva um and the diva by the way is not the word diva is actually feminine but um divas <laughs> as we all know can also be men
1: <laughs> yeah. yes
2: oh, yeah um <laughs> To stay, uh, um, so to to be grateful for the situation and even this interaction with our diva, um, to to be able to to te- to I think what have I said this far? Forgiveness, uh, to be able to forgive for the past as well, um, and to, to want to literally play, to be in a state of play, so to play with that person, is incredibly deep. And what I mean with play is full of respect full of awareness, want to come into a playful situation with that person.
1: Mm, Okay. I was going to ask you that question because, uh, you know, uh, I pull angel cards on occasion and I've been getting that play card over and over again. And I thought, Hmm, this is interesting.
2: (laughs) It's a, it's an incredibly strong card. And it's one that we really know so little about is what, what, one of the things I show in my seminars um, is are some pictures by a wonderful photographer here of a an ice bear a, an ice bear that's German sorry of, of a polar bear who uh, which um, comes into contact with some huskies and the husky, instead of going into a state he's the bear is is hunt, is hunting I mean the bear clearly wants to attack the dogs and what happens though the dogs go into a state of play and instead of Instead of uh, what you would expect is the bear, you know, still attacks, instead of that, the bear recognizes his playful posture from the dogs. Mm-hmm. And he himself goes into a state of play and literally starts playing with the dogs for over an hour. Mm. And according to uh, the photographer, he comes back every day after that and continues to play with them for over an hour. The, this <laughs> photographer, if you want to see this, is Norbert Rosing. He's a German photographer for the National Geographic. And it, it's an amazing, for me, it was an amazing, uh, hot, um, absolutely awakening moment to realize that when we, um, if we go into a state of play, um, first off, we are not as easily, we're not as vulnerable to the person who is perhaps going to attack us or whatever. But also, we're open to, to the other person, to other possibilities. We literally open ourselves to that person. Mm-hmm. And it's an incredibly strong state to be in. in flirting, for example, is a state of play. Mm-hmm. If, if you take any sexual aspect of, of it, put that aside. When you flirt with somebody, you're, um, you, literally, you, you come into a state of play where you're learning about that person and they're learning about you. And it's, it can be very beautiful. And it's easy. And it's much easier to go into play than into fear. Hmm.
1: Absolutely. It's easier to do that. But the fear tends to resonate just so quickly um, mm-hmm. because of that amygdala, right? Yeah. 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 <laughs> that exactly. It just tunes in instantly to fear and gives us all these warnings. And, um, you know, fear comes over us so much faster. Yeah, if you take the polar bear situation, the natural instinct for the dog
2: would have been to go into a state of fear. So, you know, fight or flight, and he didn't do that. And most of us, when we're coming into a situation where we feel insecure, is we go into the state of, of fight or flight, you know, how it, of, of fear, as opposed to this openness of playfulness.
1: Mm-hmm. So you're saying if we're feeling fearful, then we can just start playing and we can get beyond that? Is yeah. that what you're saying? Yeah. And so maybe it, a bear will join us. Who knows
2: yeah, that? I, I'd be, if if you, you know, if you're walking around in the Tetons, I would be listening for the bears. I don't,
1: and not 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 to play with. Them. Absolutely. So that's a little different. Yeah. You never know where those guys are going to be, you know, sure. but to be honest, you can smell them before you hear them. So <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I've had my own experiences with them and I wasn't, you know, I wasn't in a place of play. That's for sure. But uh, I, I think it would be good for people who are going to step on stage that have this fright. Um, you know, I know you must have had that in the beginning of your career. Um, and how, how do you um, deal with with that now after you've been doing this for so many years?
2: actually just what we've been talking about uh, one of the first things I do is I, I say to myself, I really want to play with these these, these the people in this audience. I would lo- you know go- would love to go to in a state of uh, go into a state of play with them, have fun yeah mm-hmm. and um, as I mentioned the man the, the mantra uh, I choose love. I, I, I it's very important um, to connect to that sense of love, in, in yourself, and also to um, it's connect to send that sense of love into the room, and that helps calm calm as well. And the other, I mean, there's, there's so many things as far as uh, stage fright. One of the other things that's super important for, for your listeners is focus. People mm-hmm. who have stage fright are, being, are focusing on themselves. They're focusing on the mistakes they can make. They're fos- focusing on... Um, on uh, whether or not, you know, what are the people going to think of me, et cetera. The focus needs to be to not have as far as the, the, the positive focus is to, is to have the focus on your message, to have the focus on the audience, what, and literally think, what do I want to give them as a present, as a gift from me to them? What do I want to give them today when I'm giving this presentation? And mm. if you're focused on that, there's
1: stage fright just doesn't exist. Wow, that's awesome. So focus on being in present and focus on being in a space of wanting to play with them, wanting to have fun, wanting to enjoy being with them for that time that you were there to share.
2: Absolutely. And one last thing from the four most powerful states uh, is the state of forgiveness. And this is so important in the state of when we're talking about stage fright, the state of forgiveness is you also sometimes have to forgive yourself for mistakes you've made in the past. Mm-hmm. Because often we sort of keep hitting ourselves over the head about a mistake that we made, you know, two years ago when we gave this uh, gave a presentation or 10 years ago or in, in elementary school. And you've just got to forgive yourself and, and let go of it. Yeah, and so as I always say, they're
1: not time. really mistakes. They're golden mm-hmm. lessons in,
2: Absolutely. Our, in
1: our growth, you know. None of it's a mistake. Um,
2: Absolutely.
1: There no. is just because look at all the greats out there, even Edison made a thousand mistakes before he finally figured out how to light us up, right? Yeah, the truth. <laughs> and Colonel Sanders, the same thing, he pushed his recipe a thousand different times before he ever got anybody to take it on. Yeah. So. You know, nothing that we do is a mistake here on in Earth School. The intention is for us to learn our valuable, valuable lessons, so that we can learn to be in a place of love and forgiveness. And that's probably those are probably two of the most difficult um, states to be in: is love and forgiveness. And sometimes we can be, but other times it's just really tough because we're dealing with our diva. Would it, yeah. would you agree, Laura? Yes, absolutely. <laughs> well absolutely. Been awesome having you today. I, I've really enjoyed the um, what you brought to the show. And I was wondering if you have any final thoughts that you'd like to give to us. And one might be how to get your book, because it just sounds really, really interesting. And I will be putting it on the website so that people can get it if they'd like to.
2: There, as you said, there, there'll be a link on the website to be able to order it. And for the first 10 days, we are going to offer the Kindle version of the book for free mm. That's starting on the 25th of June. So okay. if you're interested, that will that will be if, if you go to the link and sign up for that, then we'll send you the information about how to get the book for, for free. Awesome. And then after that, then um, after that, the first 10 days, then obviously it'll be for sale then on, on on Amazon and everywhere. everywhere else. Awesome.
1: Awesome. Awesome. So um, you'll be able to get it right off the website at the BBS site and um go ahead and sign up so that you can get your free one on the Kindle version. And Laura, thank you so Perfect. much for being with us all the way from Germany. Oh, thanks.
2: Charlene, can I get to one point? There will be people listening to this later. Um, yes. For those people, if you buy the book, send us just a, your order number and we will send we will Uh, send you a link to a webinar uh, on the book so that that where we talk about a lot of different information about the book and how you can even deepen your experience
1: and can those of us who are going to get it off the kindle version also get that webinar (laughs)
2: yes send us us your 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 order number and yes
1: (laughs) perfect 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 well thank you so much laura and um i really really appreciate it that you're spending time all the way from germany And um, I look forward to hearing you on the opera stage. I'm going to look for you now that I know you.
2: (laughs) Thanks. Thanks you so much for having me, Charlene. It was wonderful talking to you.
1: Okay. Until next week, we will see you on Thursday at 2 p.m. next week with Claire Candy Howe, the walk-in angel. And we're going to learn all about how she did that, why she did that, and what that means. So we'll see you next week on Thursday at 2 o'clock from sunny San Diego. Thank you for
0: joining us on the Ascended Masters at Work show with spiritual life coach, Reverend Shirlene Reeves. We hope you found our message enlightening in a way that will change your everyday interactions in work and play. Share the love. Pass on our web address, ascendedmastersatwork.com. And if you have a great story to share, we'd love to have you on the show. This has been a massive visibility media production. Join us next week for the Ascended Masters at Work show. And while remembering the words of the late Wayne Dyer, when you change the way you look at things, the things you look at change. We say Namaste.